G'day, welcome to Stat Stuffers. It is I, as it tends to be, your host. Uh, we're back for a weekly recap. Let's jump straight into it. I want to get through this because I have Pokemon Scarlet waiting on my Switch, ready to play. Um, let's just jump into it. We haven't talked about any teams for a couple of weeks, actually. Like We talked about you know, the situation with the, with the Spurs and the Nets a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we just talked about players and jerseys over the last couple of weeks as well. We haven't actually just sat down and talked about uh, any interesting teams. Um, and I know we did talk about them a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we're going to talk about the Nets today. This is the first team I want to talk about. Um, so they're currently, they currently have a losing record. Uh, I believe they are 7-9. and nine. Let me just double check that. They are... Yep, they're seven and nine. They're currently sitting in the tenth seed in the East. Um, and the reason I want to talk about them is because um, I missed this when it came out, but there was an interview with Kevin Durant. Uh, uh, Kevin Durant did an interview with Bleacher Report um, a couple weeks ago, I think. Or oh, actually, maybe it was quite recent. Anyway, uh, Kevin Durant did an interview with Bleacher Report, uh, and he talked. One of the kind of main ideas, one of the main quotes that he kind of gave was essentially, my starting lineup is not good enough for us to actually win, which I think is kind of unfair. And I want to give you a few stats to kind of back up my argument here. Now, is he entirely wrong? No. Um, let, let's get that straight. Without Kyrie Irving, the Nets are not a championship team. They should, however, be a playoff team, and I think that is on Kevin Durant if they are not. So, let's just talk about a few stats here. So, Kevin Durant is only a plus 2.9 um, uh, with his on-off, and what that means is his team is only 2.9 points, I think, per 100 possessions better with him on the court than when he is off the court or whenever his backup is on the court. Now, obviously, he spends a lot of time on the court, so those points do matter, those points do certainly add up, um, but that's not, like, this insanely high number, like, you know, we've got, look, I, when you, when we talk about a player who has a bad team around him, when, or, like, a player who kind of can't be replaced and who's super, super valuable to his starting lineup, which Kevin Durant definitely is, but we're talking, like, I think Jokic has, like, a 20 on-off or something like that, uh, plus 20-something on-off. You know, in part, that is because he is being backed up by DeAndre Jordan and Zignati, um, neither of whom are particularly great. Um, but Kevin Durant, you know, he is on-off isn't, like, out of this world, meaning his backups and the rest of his lo team are doing not that terribly without him. Now, obviously, all of the Nets' best lineups, every single one of the Nets' best lineups has Kevin Durant in them. There's not a single good line. There's pretty much no good lineups um, that the Nets have put out. Uh without Kevin Durant. Um, but they're not that bad without Kyrie Irving, is the thing. And that's that's why I kind of dislike his quote um, about, you know, talking about how, you know, they can't really expect their team to be that winning um, when he's out there. And I think that was kind of more in regards to the fact that Kyrie Irving has obviously been kept out because of um, the whole situation here um, with the anti-Semitic uh, film and all that kind of stuff. So, Kyrie Irving has been kept out. Kevin Durant is not happy about that. But the starting lineup's been alright. So, their five, of their five-man lineups um, that have played at least ten minutes, uh, the top six, so there are only six positive five-man lineups that have played at least ten minutes. Four of them don't have Kyrie Irving in them. Um, 
of most of their best four-man lineups don't have Kyrie Irving in them either. Um, in terms of two-man lineups, so when there are two players on the court together, KD and Kyrie have actually been a negative. Now, that is, you know, there's there's context here. The context is those two are generally playing against the opposing team's best players. Those two are generally on the court when the opposing team's best players are on the court. They're not playing against bench units. Um, but it is ultimately a negative lineup there. Um, a few positives are with uh, Kevin Durant and a lot of the other guys, really. Um, Royce O'Neal, he is the player he's played the most minutes with. Um, and that is a positive lineup there. And Royce O'Neal, <laughs> he took Kevin Durant's comments personally, I would say, um, going out there. Uh, get, hitting the game winner or tipping in Kevin Durant's missed shot for the game winner and getting a triple-double. Uh, so, you know, Royce O'Neal is showing that he can at least be valuable for the team. But um, my favorite catch-all advanced stat, so, like, if I had to pick one advanced stat to be like, this stat determines whether a player is actually really good and really valuable, um, is Winchester per 48. So, I love my VORP, I love my PER, but Winchester per 48 is my favorite advanced stat. I think it is the stat that I like to look at most when, it, you know, to look at whether a player is actually, you know, having a good impact on their team, a very positive impact on their team. Um, Kevin Durant is ninth in the league, checks out. Um, but Nick Claxton is actually a second highest player at 50th. Kyrie Irving's uh, a bit lower at 96. Obviously, he has been kept out for periods of time. Um, but yeah, Nick Claxton has been a valuable player for them. Like, they, it, you know, they have, I think... Other than Kyrie, they have, like, three... So, it's Claxton, Kyrie, I think Ben Simmons, and Royce O'Neal um, are all in the top 175. And that's not, you know, along with Kevin Durant, and that's not crazy, but that just means they're average, right? That just means they're not terrible. Like, they've got five players in the top 175. There's 30 teams. You kind of expect to have about five players in the top 175, especially when you have one in the top 10 um, in Kevin Durant there. So... I think it is unfair for Kevin Durant to say his team is not good, like, is is bad without him. Like, would they be great without him? No, they would be <laughs> They would be a bad team. But, you know, I, I, I think it is unfair for him to talk about his team as if they're complete garbage and that he cannot win with them because he can win with them. Can he win a title with them? No. Can he at least make the playoffs and not be the 10th seed? Yeah, and I think that's more on Kevin Durant. I mean, okay, it's on Kyrie Irving for not being available and... It's on Kyrie Irving's actions for not letting him be available. Um, but this team should be, I think, a little bit better than they are. Again, it's early season, nothing crazy here, but I just think it's unfair for Kevin Durant to blame his, or not blame his team, but say, hey, my team is not good enough out here, we need Kyrie. Because his team is good-ish. His team is average. <laughs> it's decent. Um, now, let's let's talk different team here. I've been holding off on talking about them for <laughs> the entire season. Uh, the Nuggets. Obviously, I'm a Nuggets fan. I don't want to make every episode Nuggets-centric, so I've tried to avoid talking about them here and there, but um, I think it is worth talking about them now because uh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are both out um, in health and safety protocols. Aaron Gordon's missed a couple of games, and the Nuggets have looked really, really bad. So the the point I'm, I want to make here right now is um, the main question, the main issue for the Nuggets uh, is resilience. Can they be resilient in these periods of time? Because when the Nuggets are on and they're clicking, they're so, so good. They have seven players who are averaging at least 10 points per game. Jokic is averaging like 20. So they essentially have ten. They have seven players averaging between 10 and 20 points per game. 
Like, if that's not a team effort, I don't know what it is. Like, um, they've got Bones coming off the bench averaging, like, 14 and a half, and they've got Bruce Brown coming off the bench averaging about 10, and all of their starters are averaging double digits. Um, the question is, yeah, can they just be resilient in the moments without Jamal Murray? Can they be resilient in the moments without Jokic? Can they be resilient in the, mom- in the nights where um, Bones is off or not playing? Because he really is kind of that main scorer off the bench. So when Bones and Michael Porter Jr. are playing together off the bench, the bench tends to be okay. Um, and they tend to be okay defensively when, you know, you've got your Bruce Browns, you've got your um, Aaron Gordons, you, your KCPs, whoever it is um, out there with them. But they need those scoring sparks off the bench. But when, you know, Jamal Murray's out, Nikola Jokic is out, and those scoring guys kind of have to take more of the role with the starters who's scoring off the bench. So it's about who's resilient. It's about, you know, can they be resilient without their best players? Can they maybe put together a win or two? We've seen the last couple nights. Uh, no, they don't look that resilient. They lost to the Knicks in pretty kind of bad fashion. They probably should have won that game and then they got absolutely crushed by the Mavs. Um, yeah, it's just, can they kind of keep things together in the bad moments just to keep them, like, afloat and then be carried by the good moments? The whole, you know, the whole goal of the Nuggets season here is to have those good moments later on and have those good moments in the playoffs where Jamal is averaging 20-something, Jokic is averaging 20-something, Mike, uh, Michael Hooded Jr. is a, you know, is a spark plug who shoots <laughs> somehow almost exactly 50% from three. Like, it was weird for a little while. He was, he hit, he, I think he shot 50% from three in, I think, eight of his 10 first games, like, exactly 50%, like, two for four, or one for two in, or four for eight in every single game, or something like that, um, bar, by, like, two of them, uh, so, yeah, uh, can the team stay resilient is the kind of thing, uh, to look out for, for the Nuggets, is there, look, ideally, there's a move, ideally, there's a move to be made, um, packaging Zeke Nagy and a future second for maybe a slightly better backup center, right? Because <laughs> um, I don't... DeAndre Jordan hasn't been terrible, but I don't necessarily trust him, um, especially to fill in, uh, as you know, for Jokic's minutes when Jokic is out. I would not mind, you know, a slightly better backup center. Obviously, like, I, I think if there is any move to be made, it is that. I think it's a wing rotation and their guard rotation are fantastic. The center rotation could use a little bit of work. Um, but yeah, those are a couple of teams I wanted to talk about uh, from this week. Now, let's talk some stats. Uh, and let's talk about Embiid here. You all saw it. Embiid had just an insane game, a monstrous game. Uh, 59 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. Uh, and seven blocks, I believe it was. Um, so third time ever in NBA history, a player has put up 59, 11, and 8. Um, and the first time ever since steals and blocks have actually been recorded. Uh, I believe the previous two were Wilt Chamberlain in 64 and Elgin Baylor in 59. Um, so steals and blocks weren't even recorded then. Minutes weren't even recorded in El- in the game Elgin Baylor played. So no one even knows how many minutes he played. Um, the fewest minutes, so Joel Embiid put up, the fewest minutes ever for a 55-10-8 game. Uh, he's the first ever to even have 50 points, uh, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 blocks. Uh, he had a 25 plus month. Like, there's so many ways that this stat line is unique. This stat line is completely unique in all of NBA history. It is one of the best individual games we've seen in a very long time. Um, just in terms of pure counting stats, but also they got away with the win there. 
Um, he, yeah, <laughs> it is such a unique stat line, and there's so many different ways where you could say this is the first time a player has ever done this, uh, you know, in these kind of conditions with these kinds of stats, whatever. Um, so, hell of a game there. Um, now, plus minus. So, Steph had 50 points in a loss to the Suns. He also had the third worst plus minus in NBA history in a 50-point game. Uh, with a minus 14, the only two worst were Dwayne Wade in 2009 versus the Magic, um, and Antoine Jameson, also as a member of the Warriors, um, against the Sonics in 2000, um, both with a minus 16, I believe. So, Steph, you know, <laughs> obviously you don't blame him, but that was a close game as well. They only lost, not close, but they only lost by 11 points, and the fact that Steph was a minus 14, uh, I don't know if that says anything, but it's, it's interesting to look at, at least. A player put up 50, was a minus 14, and they lost by less than 14 points as well. Um, yeah, so, finally, let's talk about a couple of games coming up in the next week. Uh, if you only have time to watch a few games, give these ones a go. Uh, Jazz Blazers, today, as of when this episode comes out, so Sunday the 20th of November, uh, at 2pm. So, two of the top teams in the West facing off uh, on Tuesday, the tw- so this is obviously, as always, Australian Eastern AEDT, I think it is. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, even though Daylight Savings... I don't... Wait, we're currently on AEST, but we are AEDT. It's something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know our time slots. Uh, Sydney time. Sydney, Melbourne time. Um, Hawks Cavs on Tuesday, the 22nd at 11am. Uh, two of... Not the best teams in the East, but two teams that are certainly going to be fighting for play in, uh, for playoff uh, seeding. Probably both above a play-in team, um, though not a guarantee. Uh, the Caps have been on a bit of a slide recently. They did pick up a win against the Hornets today uh, behind Darius Garland's 40-point 40, uh, 40 effort. Um, yeah, give that one a, give that one a little a little watch. And finally, uh, Bulls versus Bucks on Thursday, the twenty fourth at twelve p.m. Uh, Central Division matchup there. The only real reason I'm suggesting this is because I don't think I've recommended a Bucks game so far this season, which seems like a crime because of how good the Bucks have been. What is their record, actually? Let me just double-check that. I actually don't know. I have not been paying enough attention to the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, they're 11-4. They obviously started off, uh, I believe, 9-0. So, a bit of a slide there for them as well, but, you know, maybe they'll get some of their mojo back. Um, and the Bulls, obviously a decent team in the East that started off fairly well as well. Alright, well, that is all for this week. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a like on YouTube, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave us a five-star rating or review. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at stat underscore stuffers. Other than that, thanks for listening.